Hello and welcome to episode 43 of what we're listening to. My name is Josh. I'm one of your hosts. And with me is uh, my good friend and uh, musical pacemaker metronome inventor, Asher. How are you, sir? <laughs> that sounds like a terrible idea. You're going to get polyrhythms inside your chest to really get the heart rate going. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if the like pacemaker sets the tempo. Hopefully that's the case because you don't want to force a heart to do something more than it can actually do. I remember as a, as a teenager hearing a, an urban legend about a guy who died at a ACDC concert from his heart matching the drum beat to Thunderstruck. And then when the song ended, he died. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Anyway, that's kind of what I envision a musical pacemaker would do to you. Rock urban legends are such weird crap. It's just... <laughs> Speaking, though, of um, feeling something inside your chest, so I have this, like, metronome watch, which I was given as a present, which is pretty cool, but you can also strap it to your chest if you're a drummer. It does feel a bit weird having an alternate tempo <laughs> feeling inside your rib cage to kind of like let you know what's going on. Anyway, you should try putting it on your neck and see if that's even more invasive. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, no. no. <coughs> um, okay, so I have a quiz for you, Asher, mm-hmm. which might be uh, your least favorite one we ever do because it's your um, your speciality topic of celebrity gossip. Um, and specifically, Mr. Kanye West. So uh, he's, oh, well, been su- he's my only. I I only follow him on Twitter. Nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. Else. Um, yep. he's been super active recently in the internet sphere, especially on Instagram. Um, uh-huh. And at one day, he released a list of um, everyone that he is actively beefing with. Um, uh, the the yes. the beef list, as I call it, and uh, I I should say not all of these are reciprocal. These are just um, a lot of these are one way beefs. Um, so I have a list of four, mm. and one of them he is not currently beefing with. I want you to tell me which one. Um, and kind of like as who wants to be a millionaire? Uh, I can give you a hint, which is um, you can ask for two of the reasons why he might be beefing with somebody. To eliminate them, if you like. Um, so your four options are: uh, we have Billie Eilish, famous singer-songwriter. Yeah. We have Sir mm-hmm. Paul McCartney. Uh, we have okay. Pete Pete Davidson, who's an American comedian, and we have Peppa okay. Pig. <laughs> okay. Which Which of these four people is Kanye not beefing with? Oh my goodness! Now I did read up about this about Kim Kardashian's new boyfriend or whatever so oh, okay the, i think the pete dude is one he has beef with um pepper pick sounds ridiculous but i wouldn't put it past kanye so <laughs> i feel like pepper pig stays <laughs> i feel like paul mccartney is just as ludicrous so i might even just go with billy eilish because she sounds like the most likely person he'd have beef with but I want to kind of use up this this uh, who wants to be a millionaire thing. Can yeah, you so give you, me two two yeah, reasons? You can ask for two two. You, you can ask who do you want to hear from. I, I have okay. all the reasons written down here next to me. <laughs> this is so extensive. Um, why does he have beef with Peppa Pig? Um, so after the release of Donda, um, <clears throat> uh, Pitchfork gave it a six and in the same week, it gave Peppa Pig's album a 6.5. And <laughs> the Peppa Pig Twitter account tweeted at Kanye saying, Peppa didn't need to put on shows in the Chicago so-and-so stadium to get a 0.5 higher rating or something like that, <laughs> to which Kanye was not pleased with. Oh, my goodness. Um, that sounds legit. Why does he have beef with um, Billie Eilish? And then I'll be able to decide. Um, so Billy Eilish uh, at a concert made comments about how um, at her shows they don't trample people, and uh, Kanye West took that as an insult against his friend Travis Scott, who was the one who ran the concert. Yes. Um, yeah. Do a bunch of people died at, and um, it goes even further than that. Kanye uh, is playing a Coachella with Travis Scott, and they threatened to not perform at Coachella unless Billie Eilish apologized for her comments, to which she said, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
Okay, well, I'll go with Paul McCartney then as the one person he doesn't have beef with. Uh, that is the correct answer, Sir Paul McCartney. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh my goodness. He has actually made a song with Sir Paul. Um, they have worked together before. Yeah, I remember when that came out and everyone's like, hey, have you heard of this guy, Paul McCartney? Um, or maybe that was just the joke. I can't remember which was actually real- reality, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, Ashley, you're officially an expert on Kanye West beef. And, oh, uh, man, you, yeah. You got the answer correct. <laughs> Can someone just get him off the internet for a little bit? I think it might do him some good. Honestly, not a terrible idea. Um, yeah. Maybe other than a lot of people. I'll take myself off the internet, too, if that's needed. <laughs> a one-for-one trade. Uh, do you have any catch-ups? Right. I'll, I'll do a Neil Young and I'll say, unless, <laughs> unless, unless Kanye, Kanye leaves the gets off Twitter and Instagram, I'm pulling all my things off of the same website. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Sorry. Uh, can, you have any catch-ups? Catch-up, catch-up. Yeah, yeah, I have three. Ooh. Now, um, y- you know I've been a bit of a um, Godspeed You Black Emperor trip. Yes. Um, so <laughs> the day after we released our episode, the last one, um, the infamous Godspeed You Black Emperor first album, which I discussed had been leaked and all this sort of thing, was then released on Bandcamp. Um, I then listened to a podcast where Ephraim Manuel Manuk uh, actually said that he was planning on doing this in the end because, you know, like Radiohead, once it's kind of out, you want it to be out in a nice version at least. Yeah. Um, and also uh, the money was going towards a charity and he just was like, all right, let's put it out there. It was a very interesting discussion where he just talked about how he didn't he didn't want to release it because, A, it was just basically him. It wasn't the band, but he used the same name for th- from that project for what became Godspeed You Black Emperor. So he kind of felt like it was not really part of their discography. But secondly, also it like a very, he was a very um, kind of personal time in his life. And he was just like, every time I kind of got to thinking about releasing it, it was a bit of a block of like, meh. So eventually once it come, came out, he wasn't really fussed about it which is ironic considering all the <laughs> hoo-ha that went along online. He's like, what? meh, whatever. I don't really care too much. None of the band really cares too much, but we'll all put it out anyway through Constellation. And, uh, yeah, so it's now on Bandcamp, uh, and I think everything's settled down a little bit. But um, um <laughs> Good. On, on a related note, so I started listening, I was like, all right, I'll do a whole listen. And so I listened from that first, this new, um, you know, first album all the way through to their latest stuff. Mm. Did a full listen. Hence your homework for this week. Yes. Um, or this episode, um, which I will talk a little bit more about uh, then, just about why this release uh, and, you know, what I think of the big body of work. So I must confess uh, that might be why I changed my review at the last moment because I'd been doing so much listening to God Speed You. Um, but yes, anyway, I've not been a very disciplined person for the past three weeks. <laughs> but something funny, um, uh, God Speed You are on tour at the moment and um, while the community was very anti-releasing this um, this tape, you know, uh, they are very fine with bootlegs of all their concerts. <laughs> so um, I've been listening to a couple of live concerts uh, that have just like been recorded in the past few days. And that's been cool. It's been cool to hear them. Um, yeah. Just what they do live and the changes they make. Cause mm. I've only seen them once live, but there is, you know, 200 gigabytes worth of live shows on <laughs> the internet archive of their stuff. So you can go and go nuts if you like, Josh. You know, and that's I only know three songs that. as well. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> songs a month and a half long. <laughs> it's no longer satire, is it, Josh? Um, <laughs> um, and the second thing, uh, so we, we've briefly texted about this, but there's been a new development between Bandcamp and Epic. Um, I I mean, 
I don't want to be too doomsday. Some sections of the internet have been pretty up in arms and some sections are like, meh, it'll be okay. <laughs> um, but Bandcamp has finally actually agreed to be bought by Epic Games, of all people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, apparently they're going to just continue as normal. Um, it's such a, it's such a weird acquisition because you're like, what, why, why are they buying this? It's such a... A head scratcher, which I think a lot of people are kind of worried about it because they don't think of reasons yeah. that it could be useful. Um, yeah, like, yeah, it just, I don't know. I don't really know much about Epic Games, you know. Like, I think I've got an account and gotten a couple of free games through there and tried Fortnite or whatever, but, like, it's not really yeah. a place that I hang out much. So maybe they're looking to put the Bandcamp <laughs> player in their online store. I don't know. Yeah, or I I had this out the other day. Like you know how Fortnite does like live concerts. Yeah, um, they're like trying to break into like the super indie, like thirty year old market and have like Sufjan Stevens live concerts in Fortnite or something like that. Can you imagine that? <laughs> oh my goodness, Sufjan Sufjan probably doesn't even know what Fortnite is. I think like, that would be hilarious. <laughs> just carrying Lowell, you know, while all these like kids dressed up as llamas yeah. or something doing, are listening. Doing Fortnite dances in the background. Okay. That's, that uh... is such a surreal picture. Anyway. Um, so anyway, we uh, we'll wait and see what happens. Bandcamp Party yeah. was still on, still support artists, you know. But anyway. There you go. I don't want to be too dire. So we'll move on. Um, did you have any follow up? Uh no that's uh, that's all for me. Okay, cool. Well, should we move on to reviews? Yeah, let's do it. So, um as I was alluding to, I I was listening to a lot of Godspeed you. So, I kind of thought about my review kind of late. Um as in a day before late. <laughs> but Josh is a kind man and it was a small release. But I've been wanting to talk about um, this artist properly for a while. I'm going to talk about Jacob Wild and his specifically his EP Love in Reverse. So um, Jacob Wild is an Australian singer-songwriter from Perth. Um, he, yeah, he writes beautiful kind of um, folk music, acoustic guitar, singing, singing um, and occasionally like a band sort of sound. And his vocal style is very much in the kind of uh, lineage of the Middle East. Um, I know this sounds bad. Sometimes it sounds like he's got a little bit of a cold and I kind of like that. <laughs> it's kind of like this um, interesting tone that I really like. Yeah. I don't know if it's kind of like an offensive tone to some people, but um, it's got a, he's got a very interesting vocal tone. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, sorry do you mean Middle East the band or Middle East the area? Middle East, the band. Sorry. Okay, good. No, For those like, listeners out there. I don't think he sounds very Middle Eastern. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry. The Middle East, as in the Australian folk folk alternative band from the early thousands. So, sorry, listeners. There was a band. They. I'll put one of their songs on the playlist again. Um, they had a yeah. very famous song called Blood, which has kind of um, been played by, you know, um, Gang of Youths, Marcus Mumford and Mumford and Sons and stuff before. So it's kind of gotten a bit of fame. Uh, so anyway, Jacob Wilde has a similar style to me um, like that, but uh, a bit more singer-songwriter, small ensemble. So I wanted to talk about him because I feel like he undersells his music so much. There is mm. so much beauty and integrity and... Um, work that goes into his music and he just pops things on Bandcamp. It's like this album, I think the description is, I'll just read it to you because it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's so understated. Um, and then I listened to it. It was like, my goodness, this is one of my favorite EPs in a while. Five songs about the same thing written at different times and placed in reverse chronological order. So that's the description of this album. But what it is, um, it's evidently a, a breakup album um, and he's placed these songs in reverse and called it that. And so you get the gradual reveal, like you start with kind of being a little bit at peace with 
this breakup, move through the course of it, mm. and then you end with the joy at the first beginnings of the relationship. So it's a very raw and emotional ride. But all the songs are written in major keys and are very beautiful. Um, but the lyrics are very poignant. The concept are very poignant. And I'm just like, this is brilliant. Like mm. placing them in reverse, is it does that gradual reveal and you piece together the story in reverse. It's like um, a game I really love called uh, Return of the Oberdin which tells the story in reverse as well. And both are fantastic pieces of art. So did you, did you get to listen to the, the EP? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, 24 I, hours in advance. <laughs> I didn't read the description until uh, I finished listening to it. So it was actually quite interesting to listen to um, mm. and, and try to pick apart what was going on. Yeah. I, mm. um, it, I, I find his like style of folk music very interesting because it's kind of, um, a little bit like Nick Drake, but not quite. There's not very many chords ever strummed. It's a lot of um, picking and doubling. Um, mm. So you have these like uh, fairly sparse compositions um, that work really well together as he sings over them and the melodies kind of, it's really the only thing that's there. It's just kind of the melody and him. Yeah. Um, and they kind of worked well together, and that adds to his ability to tell stories while uh, you listen to it. Basically, it's really yeah, it was really good. I mean, um, yeah, that's I a good point to make. I I haven't been in the hugest kind of like uh, acoustic folk mood at the moment, um, but this still was uh, really nice to go through for sure. Um, yeah, even if it's a bit short. Yeah, his his uh, arrangements are very sparse and. The reason I started listening to him again was he put out another um, EP just um, a few days ago or the end of last month, which also had four songs on it. And that one's even sparser. It's just him and his guitar recorded live, like one takes kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's what he said. Yeah, I recorded with two microphones, one sitting in one sitting, three songs back to back, then a little improvised thing at the end. Um, and... So his his arrangements can go from very sparse to mostly sparse. Um, <laughs> his his album had more on it, but I didn't resonate with his album um, "Water in My Brain" as much as these EPs. Like he's got this other one which I sent you a while ago, three songs for New Year's Eve. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Them. I feel like his EPs are stronger than his album, um, and that might just be a, a taste thing. But I like these short ideas that he's got. He's just got great um, concepts and great uh, execution of those concepts. Huh. So anyway, that's just me. Um, but yeah, the melodies on this album are beautiful too. Like Why Don't You Hate Me is incredible. Um, it gets stuck in my head, my head all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, such a, a dire lyric. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of, say really listen to Jacob Wilde but I just wanted to say check him out he I'm just very excited that he's making music and I want him to keep making music so I'm just saying it here with my small audience listen to Jacob <laughs> Wilde and support his music on Bandcamp so yeah for sure he's great yeah that's that's all I wanted to say it's a short album but it's it's gorgeous I think my favorite songs are why don't you hate me um the sun and the rain and rain and you which is beautiful. Yeah. Like and probably, yeah. And I think a movie scene is really lovely. It's just in the same way that the Middle East put commonplace things into their lyrics, you know, like um, plastic bags and the Panadol is out, you know. Um, Jacob puts in intentional, he'll repeat the same, he'll rhyme the same word with itself kind of thing as like a, just playing around with lyrics, playing around with rhyme and that sort of thing. And I, I dig that. I think it's very, I think it's very interesting. So mm. anyway, that's just my little quick, but, you know, firm encouragement to listen to Jacob Wilde. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been listening to? Because I think this might take up a bit more of our time. Yes. I, I didn't realize it'd be so Australia-centric. Um, I have been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listening to the third album from 
uh, now British slash Australian uh, power rockers gang of youths um, mm-hmm. called Angel in Real Time. Um, this is probably one of the ones that I've been anticipating. It's been on my list for a while since they released mm-hmm. that kind of teaser last year with the elbow cover. Um, yep. uh, and the phone call, you could call a number and hear <laughs> the first like 20 seconds of Angel of 8th Avenue. Yeah, yeah. So they've been doing a lot of work. Uh, I, I, um, I listened to an interview with uh, the singer and um, another band member, and he talked about how they'd had the tracks, the music tracks, mostly done for about a year. Um, and it was kind of getting the lyrics to match and the extra instrumentation that took him up until like the month before to really finish. Um, wow. Which is interesting. Yeah, it's kind of hmm. reversed in how I really picture most albums being written. Um, yeah, I would have thought that the lyric, I mean, maybe he has the concepts, but maybe just not the exact lyrics. Yes. I think that's, I think that's more right. Um, so Mm. I, uh, I think it's a really exciting album and the band kind of manages to keep, um, that really big arena sound that they're kind of known for now, at least in Australia. Um, Mm. uh, and that kind of cheeky emotionalism, um, while both, I think sonically and thematically uh, growing uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to this record. Um, this is definitely a step forward for them as music makers, which I think is really great. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, first, the concept. Uh, this record um, revolves, I think, around uh, two main things. Uh, the first one being um, the life and death of the singer David uh, Leo Pepe's father. Um I hope I said that right. Apologies, David, if you ever listened to this. Um, And uh, some of the secrets that came about about his life after he passed away. Um, Mm. And then uh, the second, which I kind of pick is about to listen to them being interviewed. um, He wanted to make an album celebrating the people that he loves. So like his sisters Mm. and his brothers and um, his wife a lot. Um, this is a lot of like celebration of people that he, uh, that he loves and lives with, um, in this record. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, so this, like, this could be like a tough subject to get across and, uh, like I've listened to records about death before and they're often very dour. And rather than that, this record I think is very, forgiving positive um mm. it's it's warm yeah. to listen to it's not like woe is me i've been through this but rather um like here's the pain and here's how i've moved on and these mm. songs are kind of um uplifting about that it's really interesting yeah no definitely yeah um and then um musically i think this album is a great great big step forward um so uh, we've talked a little bit about this ourselves. I think um, David's singing has really improved. Um, mm. I don't know if he's been taking lessons or maybe he's just, his vocal cords are getting more mature as he gets older. Um, but he's pushing himself out of his regular range and he's seeming quite comfortable in doing so, which is a great thing to see a singer be able to expand um, well. Um mm. And then uh, the compositional elements are way more sophisticated. So uh, we have like strings. We have samples of traditional island choirs. Uh, we have alternate yeah. rhythms like disco beats and backbeats, um, shifting kind of musical styles and spoken word inserts, all this kind of stuff um, really put together over top of this uh, pop rock album really well, I think. It kind of escalates beyond just being, you know, guitar band to something really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What, what, like, sorry, I'm talking a lot. What did you think about like the composition? It's your review, man. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. This was a really interesting ride for me because at first when I heard the singles, I was struggling to kind of connect with it mm. until I'd heard the whole album. I didn't really get the placement of these songs. You know, and what at first was like, oh, that's a pretty cool song. Like, you know, the man himself. When I first heard that single, I was like, that's a pretty cool song. Yeah. But after I'd heard the the whole arc of the story, I was like, 
I adore this song. Like, it is so beautiful with the strings opening and then the, yeah, the choral parts and the beautiful band sound. Like, because mm. at first some of the beats felt a little bit 90s to me, like the drums, um, but they grew on me over the time of the record. And I could see the light and shade between Angel of Eighth Avenue, which has got the very typical Gang of Youth sort of big drum sound, to something like, yeah, the man himself, which is a little bit more in the background and the strings and the samples and the and all that other stuff takes the, the front. Um, but, oh, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you on all the fronts. Like I I can see the movement from things like Benevolence Riots, right? Bene- yeah. Benevolence Riot, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. very just like four on the floor rock and he is mumbling a lot more. He's kind of putting on that sound of real punk sort of stuff. And then now the man himself is like wide open, strong chest voice, chorus, all this really (laughs) like it's just the comparison is crazy. Um, They're still the same band though. Like they're Mm. still themselves and what we love about them. But yeah, I think the lyric and the story of this really drew me in and it was Brothers, the song, that really got me. Um, Mm. That references all the things you talk about, like the people he loves because, yeah, a lot of the songs are about his dad and grappling with new information about who his dad really was. Um, Not that he wasn't who he said he was, but like the biggest story and then brothers kind of he he lists through all the people he loves and like honors each of them you know <laughs> my sister sings better than i do kind of thing which is mm. it's just very beautiful it's very very moving and from then on they they even they get kind of soft as well because you've got um what are the quieter songs the one with the allelu in it Anyway. Oh, that's those are the last songs of the album. Um, Goal of the Century and yeah, Hannah Garden that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it has a lot like it has such an arc in thematically in terms of lyric and then also musically, you the end really kind of builds after these quieter songs. Mm. I mean, it's hard to even know where to start with kind of praising this album for me, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. It does, you continue. Yeah, it does a great job of like luring you in with like the banger mm. singles, and then once yeah. you're like in, you're like, oh, there's actually a lot more in the corners of this record that are of substance. Um, yeah, not just like heart pounding, kind of fist in the air, big songs. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's interesting. Um, <clears throat> in the interview he talked a lot about the influences that kind of went underneath of uh, a lot of the different songs. And um, he kept on bringing up um, the avalanches, which I found very interesting, um, Hmm. which is kind of where you get that uh, sampling of those choral pieces um, Mm -hmm. rather than just being voice, but more as a musical tool. Um, Yeah. And I, I think they actually done really well. Like, a lot of the time you don't realize that it's like a Salmoan choir in the background doing a, you know, um, mm. a traditional piece. It just kind of really fits into the, the the function of the song really well. Um, yeah. And then he talked a lot about and, how, sorry. Um, oh, it just even like at the start of in the wake of your leave, when that, the do, do, do's are sampled. Like, yeah. You do realize they're a little bit more sampled because of the start of all the, sounds but yeah they're used in different ways that influence of the more electronic stuff yeah and then i think heavily influenced by their new locale like 90s kind of brit pop like oasis the mm-hmm. verve um like a, a lot of these kind of sounds and beats um have roots in that kind of history which i find really interesting and this is obviously a modern expansion of what those sounds kind of detail anyway uh, yeah it's um a really good record um front to back i think it's nice to mm. i don't know this is very cynical of me like you know to have an album like this to say like you know rock isn't dead to some fashion um it's it's different than it used to be um but it still has the same 
kind of ability for emotion and for like fun in music to listen to like it's not like i don't know like i like i like i smile when i listen to this record even though it's about like a dour subject to some degree um it's just really great to have you know put us on anyway and i think i think um david manages to you know when you see him perform live he's a great dancer too so these songs are simultaneously him processing grieving celebrating and having fun all at the same time yeah you know it's just a it's such a interesting mix and then you have songs like um where is it uh returner thrown into the mix which is so (laughs) ironic it's so funny i'm like is this a double bluff like yeah you know i'm only in it for the money and like this album is by no means a money machine like I mean, maybe I'm being naive, but I'm like, you wouldn't. It's, it's an emotional project, first sub- of all. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't choose such a specific project about specific people if you were wanting to appeal to a mass audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only in it for the cash. Yeah, it's great. I don't know. Um, yeah, so they're they're coming to Vancouver in September, and I'm hoping to see them, which will be a really fun time. I think. Yeah, um, that's awesome. In a in a in a small little venue in Vancouver, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Nice. Mm. Yeah, so that's yeah. Gang of Use, Angel of Real Time. Sweet. Check it out. It's really great. So good. Yeah. All right. Homework time? Homework time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not particularly sure why I decided to give this to you. Um, I was hanging out with some friends, and one of them put this album on, and I realized I hadn't heard it in a very long time. This came out in 2011. Um, and mm. it's the first album by singer producer Youth Lagoon. Um, a year in what's it called? A year in hibernation. Hibernation. Um, yeah, and it, it's not my favorite, but I thought you might enjoy parts of it more than I do. Um, it's very much a self-produced, um, what they call like a bedroom indie record, and this was like all over the place in 2011 for a lot of um, indie magazines and. Um, fans of alternative music so this is kind of a big one that i missed and i wasn't sure if you'd listened to which you said you hadn't so um Hmm. i'm curious as to think what you think of this record Hmm. um yeah i can see why you you'd think this might be in my wheelhouse (laughs) i i found it a bit tricky though to get into yeah and i think for me it was the i think one of the main things was it didn't feel like a lot of the sounds blended very well. And maybe that's too harsh because of the bedroom pop nature of it. Yeah. Um, but for instance, like it started off, I was like, oh, okay. I kind of like the the distant vocals and the, you know, like electric guitars and that sort of thing. And then when the beats came in, it felt like we'd had, we'd just kind of stuck something on top and it hadn't been like mixed or the sounds hadn't been chosen to match the the rest of the song. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I was hearing, you know, those standard clap sounds that you find on like <laughs> MIDI keyboards on top of these songs and it, it kind of ruined it a bit for me because I felt huh. like, oh, I just wouldn't have chosen that sound and it sounds a bit, sounds a bit little like slapped together in my mind. Um and so I found those sort of sounds a bit annoying. I know that's really picky of me. Sorry. <laughs> I just, the, yeah, I, I liked elements of this. And actually it reminded me a lot of the Oh Hello's female vocalists. So songs like Wishing Well by the Oh Hello's sounded a lot like 17 on this album. Mm. Like there was, and I think the Oh Hello's came afterwards. I can't remember. Um, it's had that same distant vocal sound. I was hoping that would change a little bit throughout the album, but it remind it remains kind of the same throughout every song. Yeah, and it's it's pretty hard to hear any of the lyrics and and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but I did like I did like the innocent nature of the songs. Like there were simple chord progressions. There were nice kind of lush guitar and synth sounds and the the vocals were really pleasing and lots of reverb and that sort of thing. So I liked that kind of vibe, but I just felt like 
it wasn't particularly special. Like it didn't stand mm. out for me as like, oh, this is an album that, you know, stands out among the rest of the bedroom pop sort of things. Mm. And I'm interested as to why it did make waves. Like, do you have any, I didn't actually research it. I just kind Ooh. of took it as face value. Do you have any idea about why it was famous? Was this kind of 2011? Yeah, I think a lot of people were drawn in by um, the kind of uh, journey aspect of it. As you go through the album, there's a very natural kind of rise and fall to how the music structures. Um, yeah. Like so you get all these like really kind of bigger... Uh, more crescendo kind of songs in the middle. Um, like yeah. 17. I liked Montana. That was nice. Yeah. Um, Melodies were nice. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I don't know. It, I think it was rarer to have kind of these more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like these kind of bigger moments in self-produced songs back then. Um, yeah, gotcha. Because to, to my mind, it sounds a little bit like, um for emma forever ago but not like sad or as sophisticated um mm. but it still has that quality of like uh one person kind of kind of doing their weird thing and that has become popular since then um yeah to a much stronger degree yeah um, i think i think like some things maybe I've given you, I like the later iterations of this genre than I do yeah. this kind of original thing because it didn't feel like, you know, uh, 11 years on that this was necessarily like uh, the hit that it was at the time to mm. me. Mm. Um, Fair. I'm not saying I hated it, but maybe it was <laughs> maybe listening alongside Angel in real time, it just paled in comparison. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Too- what it was very different productions i yeah it's interesting i wonder if like if i don't know like he re-recorded this record and did it with like a band with like a drums instead of like those like those beat sounds you'd preferred or something like that i'm I'm curious and look i'm glad that you know they just did the best job that they could with the equipment that they got. I don't want to be snob to be snobby and be like get better equipment you know that you can't afford (laughs) it just felt um yeah i just didn't i didn't just didn't really uh, interest me in terms of those sounds that's right but that's that's cool it was interesting to listen to um i am emotionally yeah. prepared for you to listen to it in three months from now and say you're actually enjoying it i so know we'll, that's right yeah we'll see what now. happens but i i it is joyful and yeah as one of my notes like you mentioning it's different than forever because it's actually happy and it is really lovely to listen to. I listened to it a bunch of times in the car and I was like, yeah, this is really like uplifting to hear. Um, even though like it, it got a little bit kind of um, cluttered sonically because of just the mixing and the reverbs and all that sort yeah. of thing. But it was still very lovely to listen to. I really liked Cannons, 17 and Montana as my faves. Um, just good melodies and yeah, good use of chord progressions and that sort of thing. So, yeah. I wasn't enamoured, but I liked it. So, yeah, fair thanks. Enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. Um, what is, what you so do you want me to tell people what I gave you? Yeah, sure. So I'm prepared for Josh to, to not rate this well, <laughs> but I wanted one last hurrah with Godspeed you before kind of like I closed the book on that for Josh. Um so last time I gave Josh Godspeed You Black Emperor, I think we had a bit of a admin error and I I was trying to decide which album of theirs to give him. And I <laughs> thought I gave him this one, but I actually gave him another one. So <laughs> this this is the the trial again. And I've given Josh um one of Godspeed You Black Emperor's EP, their only EP, which has two songs, but it's still half an hour long. Um and it is I think it's called Slow Riot for New Zero Canada. Yeah. Um, And so this is, in my mind, the reason I gave it to Josh, it feels like a condensed version of all the things I really like about Godspeed You Black Emperor. And I wanted to give you something a little bit shorter because I always give you long albums. So So you previously given me, um, what's it called, Asunder? 
something. Sweet in other distress or something. Yeah, okay. Um, I just thought it was the black and white one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So out of listening to their whole discography, I kind of thought this was the one that is probably my favourite, even though it should be Lift Your Skinny Fists, but I can talk about that a little bit more later. But <laughs> what did you think of Slow Riot? Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's only two songs long. Um, which just can be a little bit frustrating. I, um, yeah, I, I, ha- I struggled to, um, condense thoughts about musical pieces that are like longer than 10 to 15 minutes. Um, um, I, I, I appreciate in classical music how, um, longer pieces are broken down into movements. Um, mm-hmm. So you can kind of like pick apart what's actually happening. So uh, a lot of my time um, was spent breaking down different uh, m- minute sections of these songs. Oh my so, goodness! I'm so sorry. I could, so I could condense what's actually happening. Um, so this is only two songs. I'll talk about them both. So the first song hmm. is called Moya, um, and uh, the first four minutes are. Um, lots of, uh, violins, introduction, um, super minor, uh, and quite, quite a, what's the word? Um, quite a minimalistic beginning, um, Hmm. which is kind of how a lot of these songs go where they build to something. Um, and then at the five minute mark, the drums come in quite strongly and that kind of brings this whole kind of swelling, movement to the song and um you start to hear the background lots of little bells lots of little yeah, uh it's the glockenspiel yeah little echoes and, uh, and it builds quite strongly from there um at like the seven and a half minute mark with like you know the um the marching beat really solid big build and then at the end it kind of develops into this kind of swirling um spiraling melody with and it's it's funny because yeah you get to the big build and you can still kind of hear the glockenspiel in the background and the violin as well um hmm. um yeah i was surprised like if you think about like this is like the first godspeed black song for public consumption let's say um oh it's not it's actually they did a so this is funny they did their F sharp, A sharp, Infinity album, and then they did this EP. Oh, okay, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. Because I was thinking this is quite a... It's mm, the word I can use that doesn't anger people. Um, it's fine. For, for me, compared to the other album of theirs that I've listened to, this is much more passive sonically. Um, mm. like, the, like there's not a ton outside of what's just currently happening. Um, and I found that a bit strange because in their other record you gave me, there was a lot more space and a lot more um, ambiguity as to what the songs would do. Um, and yep. this one is quite straightforward, I think, where it's uh, just a big build for eight minutes. Um, so that's this EP is from 1999 and the one I yeah. gave you, I think, is 2015. So it's quite, yeah. an int- quite a gap in... In um, you know, time between those two, and they went on Absolutely. hiatus as well. So, but no, I get what you mean. It is very there's it's very dry in all in some ways. Yeah, it's um, it's a little bit like I don't know. This is sacrilege. Like it's a little bit like Stairway to Heaven, um, but mm-hmm. without like the guitar solo in the middle. Like it's just kind of just like it's just uh a uh, a. Uh, uh, a single concept that just builds and then finishes. And yeah. I, 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 I struggle to like emotionally connect with that. I think um, like, it's interesting to, as to what's happening and I can, I can for sure seeing like getting these transitions like tight when you play them would be quite difficult. Um, mm. But that doesn't mean that like I'm emotionally keyed in. Um uh when when i was in high school i was in a band and um we would practice every monday and some mondays were quite productive where we'd like write a song and we'd like practice it and get it down 
And then other Mondays, um, we would have no plan and we would just kind of jam on like three different, four different notes for like two mm-hmm. hours. And <laughs> this is kind of what that feels like to me at some times. We're like, <laughs> like, it's just kind of like doing it for the sake of it. I don't like that's, that's mean. Mm. This, this is, no, this, I know. Is, this has more direction than that does. Um, but like, I feel bad for the bass player is what I would say. Like when I'm playing these songs, it's like just kind of doing the same da, 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 for like eight and a half minutes. Like, man, I would get so bored doing that as the bass player for a band for so long. <laughs> I've often wondered, you know, about those kinds of things because yeah, some of their music is quite repetitive, but the same, well, similar band members have been there the whole time. They evidently like what they do. And I know the bass player also plays double bass. Um, so, you know, he has a few other things that he's doing and I don't know, maybe maybe they just like that. So, uh, um, What instrument does um, Ephraim play? He's a guitarist. He's a guitarist. Um, yeah. Cause so is cer- Moya. So Moya is one of the other guitarists. Yeah, yeah. Because certainly the um like the drums have like the most dynamic role in um this music. Mm. So I could I could I could imagine being musically interested if I was the dr- <laughs> drummer. Because he has a lot of work yeah. to do. Um but everything just kind of fades in and out. Anyway, um so that's the first song, mm. Moya. Um and the second song is probably more conceptually interesting, which is mm. um, I just had have just written down B B F the third. I forget his actual name. Um, Blaze Bailey Finnegan the third. Blaze Bailey Finnegan the third. So this is like a yeah. weird uh, interview, spoken word, half insert um, with a vagrant um, who uh, how to unpack this. Um, He's pretending to be the lead singer of one of the lead singers of Iron Maiden. I don't think uh, he's pretending to be him. I think he think like because he says, "Yeah, they say, can you read us some of your poetry?" And what does he? Do? Yeah, so, so, uh, yeah. So, sorry, you're wrong. You're right. He's not pretending to be him, um, but he is adopting that persona, or he thinks that he is. Um, and it's an interview with him that ranges from him talking about um the american government and how corrupt it is um paying a parking ticket and yelling at a judge um acknowledging how many firearms he owns and then reading uh the lyrics to an iron maiden song that he claims is his own poetry um and um I don't know, like there's a bit of like mystery as to who this person is, obviously, uh, hmm. uh, including on the Godspeed you read boards of like, how do they find this guy and interview him? Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's interesting that this is the first like words that I've heard in a Godspeed you album. Um, and it they definitely use gets a few words on the first album, F sharp, A sharp, infinity. Yeah. A, it definitely gets the, 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 not like this the idea across of i don't know like like this song this piece is obviously more about like anti-american government anti um you know corporations and uh the justice system is corrupt like it's the the message is much more on the nose um and so like the fact that this song is like 13 minutes long and there's like these long kind of interposed pause bits in between um are quite i don't know it's it's uh conceptually more together i think which is interesting um, it's, it's actually 18 minutes long it's oh my god <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's out and i stopped looking at the timer after a while um, can i give you my thoughts on that or do you want to keep saying uh I'll go for it yeah i it's, it's interesting i don't often feel like godspeed you necessarily agree with everything that they have in their like spoken word parts. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes what I like about them is that they just kind of present this person whom obviously you can probably not believe anything that they're saying, right? You know, about the story, about the parking ticket, the stories, you know, the the poem, all this sort of thing. It's more of a, 
this is a vox pop. This is just a sample of a person that we recorded and we're just kind of presenting the state of the world in mm. this particular corner of the world to you. You take what you think from it. I mean, I'm sure they do probably have a lot of um, anarchist ideals that they do. Yes. But I feel even though it is a bit on the nose, I kind of, they don't say anything. They're, they're the silent observers. I mean, you hear him occasionally asking questions and prompting him, but there is a sort of, they're not leading him on per se. They're just like asking him questions and he does the rest. And it's kind of like, this is how things are right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. don't even listen to the words themselves. Listen to just the state of things. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 sorry, keep going. I mean, maybe that's just me reading too much. Into it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot up to interpretation when it comes to this project. Um, like mm. I, I must admit to have not done any work of like connecting the dots between like the name um like what's like what's the slow riot is it the music and then like is canada the american government like these like a pc put together and then you have like the album cover itself where it has hebrew the toho avohu and kind of like this feeling of like emptiness and voidness um Mm. which is a incorrect interpretation of the the genesis passage but we'll get to that (laughs) what Um, out of context people taking things out of context what uh yeah so i i don't know it's uh i feel like this project wants to take itself very seriously and Mm. and you don't and and i don't particularly (laughs) i believe your text was like this is so pretentious it's like no i said the word edgy this is like such an edgy like yeah like we want to be anarchistic and talk about the government we're like okay sure like punk music been doing that since like 77 like like, you can talk about the government like it's not a big deal like Hmm. you you could do that that's fine (laughs) yeah anyway it's interesting like yeah because I I I kind of smile at it too. I'm like, yeah, it's you know, on the back of the record, there's a recipe for a Molotov cocktail. You know, like it's just, <laughs> it's very, it's it's interesting. You know, like as long as people don't swallow it, hook, line, and sinker, you know, it's fine. I just think that I I just maybe I'm approaching it too metaphorically, but I take all of it as like analogy and metaphor, like you know, his words and like what they're trying to say and all this sort of thing. I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. But maybe I'm just a weird person who is able to distance myself from the material (laughs) and kind of take it a little too lightly. So, but yeah. So what would you say is your favorite record by them and why? I mean, I think that, I think that this is probably my favorite. Yeah. um, Because, the first song, Moya, I just find very beautiful. I love the strings. I love the rawness of the post-rock sound. Like it's not too electronic, which is the way post-rock sometimes goes. Mm. It feels very much like you've got all the people in the room and they're all they're all just kind of going for it. There's not too much like glitter. It's, it's like a very woody, um, raw post-rock, like yeah. the violin sounds at the start. Um, so Moya is gorgeous and I just find that track incredibly beautiful every time I listen to it. Mm. And then BFF, um, no, BBF (laughs) three, um, like I've said, I just find it really interesting piece of art as uh, I like the way bands can do this, where you use a sample and you just kind of observe it. Like I was saying, you just kind of present it but the music is actually trying to go with the words too. Mm. You know, when he gets yelly, when he starts to yell, like the music increases and then it like stops him and then there's quiet spots and build-ups and and then he comes back in again and it's kind of like it's a soundtrack to a conversation, which is a very fascinating thing to do. So it kind of tickles the interests of soundtracks that I have and film music. Yeah. But it's doing it in a in a more found sound kind of way. And what I found with listening from start to finish of their discography is that I've missed this kind of thing. Like mm. it's prominent in their first few records, you know, F sharp, A sharp, Infinity, Slow Riot, 
lift your skinny fists and it's not in Yankee UXO. Um, it's then later in um, their, uh, oh, hallelujah, don't bend, descend. There's a little bit of it. Um, I like Lift Your Skinny Fist because it also uses lots of vocal samples in very interesting ways, but it's it's just a bit too big. And I like how um, this one, Slow Right, is like a condensed version of that. And it gives you, it, you can understand it better. Like you're saying, you find long songs tricky. Like <laughs> I always struggle with, with Lift Your Skinny Fist because it's like 80 minutes long and Ugh. there's just four tracks and they're all 20 minutes. And so it's just, it's too big for my brain to kind of get the big picture of it. And I've been listening to it for years. <laughs> but but Slow Riot, it, it kind of makes sense and I can listen to it and kind of get what they're trying to say without it being just too many things all at once. But um, I really like... I really like the use of voice samples in music. And so that's why I find it interesting. Even though I don't like what he's saying, <laughs> I find it interesting. Do you know what? Does that make any sense? No, no, no. Yeah, I understand completely. Like the listeners idea- are like, oh gosh, Asher has gone off the deep no, no. end here. Like the idea of having uh, a musical interview is very conceptually interesting. I, I, I yeah. 100% agree with that. Um, mm. It's not something I've heard very often when it comes to an album. Um mm this like random vagrant spoken word interview. Um, yeah. That, that's like a part of the music for sure. Yeah. And I saw them do this live too. And obviously they use recordings, but it's fascinating to see a band use samples like this with their visuals, you know, their 35 millimeter projections and them responding to all of these things. It's a real art project. And so, yes, it's very poncy and stuff mm. in some ways, <laughs> but I like that. Do like, sorry, this is an esoteric question. Do people like pop off at different songs when they like start like the eight minute intro to like, you know, this violin PC, like, yeah, go for it kind of thing. Um, like, like the fans like, cheer. no, people like, cheer when there's like the start of a song, but the only Godspeed Emperor um, concert I've been to, people are pretty much like just listening through the whole thing. Like okay. just observing, like, you know, evidently it's a certain type of listener that likes Godspeed you. So anyway, That's it's terrible. so funny. I'm part of the Discord and the subreddits and you're just like listening to them talk about the live shows and it's, just, it's funny. I mean, there's there's always funny types in every fan group. But. It's a transcendent experience, Asher, and that's all you're getting from it. <sighs> I mean, um, Okay, honorable mentions. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about this all night. I could at least. <laughs> Honorable mentions, let's do it. I only have two, so let's go. So there have been so many albums coming out in February that I've been condensing some of them into honorable mentions. Um, so, uh, but also I got a, a couple a couple uh, teaser songs that I've been listening to that I'm really enjoying. So first oh, is nice. from an Irish band um, called Ye Vagabonds. Um, mm-hmm. So they're contemporaries of the the Lankham, the John Francis friend, that kind of circle of, of modern new folk artists oh, yeah. in Ireland. Um, they're much more on the traditional edge where they kind of have these, it's two guys doing um, harmonies and uh, some songs in Gaelic and sorry, Irish and, and uh, like more traditional instrumentation. Um, so they're kind of like on this Venn diagram, you have like Lankham on the right with like their weird new stuff. You have John mm-hmm. Francis Flynn in the middle with like kind of toes in both directions. And these guys are the, like the far left with their um, more traditional modern kind of togetherness. Right. Um, yeah. So, so they have an album coming out in May and they released a new song off, which I'm quite excited for. These guys are, mm-hmm. uh, when you're feeling more trad, you listen to a vagabonds. Um, Noted. Barty strange. Uh, has a new mm-hmm. song out, which was uh, quite good. Uh, Heavy Heart, I think it's called. Um, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because he's had quite a strength uh, with his album that came out last year, like going on tour, being on TV shows. He, he, he popped off quite a bit. So I'm curious to see where he goes from here with the second album um, and if he kind of uh, maintains that level of creativity, which I'm excited for. Anyway, so so... He was to do song. It's pretty good. Um, 
And then two other albums I've been listening to. So Spoon released an album, uh-huh. Texas Rock Band. Um, and uh, uh, people always say they're consistent, and I'm still not entirely sure what that means. Um, uh, <laughs> you so, said that a bunch of times. It makes yeah, I, I, like like I like I was going through like a Reddit page about them, and everyone's saying like this album's consistent. And you're like, what, what does that mean? Like, what is it? Quantify that for me. Um, so they have a song. Does it mean uh, they don't change, and they're like you can know what to expect from every album. Which is I like, don't. I don't think so though. Like I, yeah. I, I'm not trying to say they're stale. I think I'm just trying to say that like they're like, you know, it's like ordering. It's like pizza. Like it's like uh, delivery pizza. Like it's always good, but it's never gonna like blow you away. Like um, anyway, um, so they have a new album called Lucifer I on the Sofa. Say that's a compliment. <laughs> But everyone loves pizza. You're just like Domino's. <laughs> everyone loves Bad pizza. All the, like, just okay. <laughs> <laughs> everyone loves pizza. Um, yeah, they have a new album called Lucifer on the Sofa. And it's, uh, you know, rocky good time, kind of bluesy. A number of the songs that are um, pretty great, but it failed to grab me as a whole. Um, like, parts of it were, parts of it were good, parts of it were kind of meh. Um, hmm. And then, lastly... Um, the new album from Big Thief. Um, we've talked about them oh, before, yeah. and you're yeah, yeah. listening to Adrian Lenker. Um, yes, yeah. So they released a new album, and it's huge. Um, it's like 80 minutes. How many songs is it? Like 20 songs. Um, wow. So, yeah, I haven't condensed it all into my brain, um, but I've gone through it once or twice, and it's pretty great. Um like a like it's a solid record. If I had more time on my hands, I probably would review it at some point. Um, I think you would actually enjoy it more, Asher. It's much more um, acousticy, uh, singer songwriting than their last couple of little bits have been. Um, cool. So if you can get across the eighty minute mark, um, but it's um, it's been very enjoyable to listen to overall. We've just um, been talking about how much I love long albums so i think yes. i think i'll be fine <laughs> and it combines that kind of you know jacob wild with acoustic guitar can i get those two things going on um, yeah, anyway. uh yeah so that's what i've been listening to in those pieces nice how about you sir um so uh, i was gonna say um darren hanlon but his album has just come out and i might be reviewing it but uh-huh. you know just as a little Thing. Darren Hanlon had his new album come out called Life Tax. Um, and I just heard, yeah, it's, it's a funny name. I still don't quite understand what it means, but um, I will soon. Um, yeah, he's got a new song out called The Spin. And I mean, sorry, this is from when I wrote it before. And now the whole album's out, so you can check it out. Um, secondly, Bill Wirtz has a new song out. He just seems to put these out every... <laughs> Every little while, I'm scared. Um, it's as zany and crazy as he ever is. Yep. I wish that he would make an album one day, but I don't know if that will ever happen. Um, and lastly, um, just another small one, uh, Badgerland, who did that Christmas compilation, have put out a they put out a song for Family Day in Canada, um, oh. which was in end of February. Oh no. Uh, yeah, 21st of February. Yeah. It's 32 songs long, um, <laughs> but it's called Tiny Songs of Love and Family. And it's literally 30 minute songs was a uh, 30 minute, 30 second, sorry. What am I saying? 30 second time <laughs> limit on all the songs. And so um, they're all meant to be really condensed, almost half-handed cloud-esque oh sorts of stories within short things. So that was really enjoyable. Um, and there's some people returning on there who I've talked about, um, like uh, Harrison Lemke. Um, so, yeah, it it was really fun to listen to and I'll put the link in the show notes. So, yeah, I don't have much other honorable mentions. I mean, I could put the whole of the, you know, Godspeed You Black Emperor discography in there too. <laughs> we're, not, right. we're not doing that. Make, blow out our playlist of 10 hours long. Um. Cool. But yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to to listening to a bit of Darren next time and seeing what else is happening. There's Dazza. lots of things coming out. Good old Dazza. Right. Thank you for listening to episode 43 of what we're listening to. Um, yeah, <laughs> 43. Do you feel old yet, Josh? My back hurts. 
Um, we hope that you found some good new music and we, yeah, we really love chatting about music. So send us some new things and stuff that you're interested in. We'd love to have a listen mm. as well. Um, please check us out on socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that sort of thing. Um, we, yeah, you should hear this pretty soon. Like we're recording this and then a week later it should be out. So we've got a new schedule and it's been working well. Um, please rate us on places like Spotify and um, any podcast app you can rate us on and share us around um, that would be fantastic because uh, we don't post tons on social media and so therefore the algorithm does not like us right? <laughs> so if you could share it around that would be fantastic and we look forward to chatting next time and see you around Josh see you mate bye